Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome back to EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal, Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgothorpe with you. We've reached match week 30 in the Premier League, and we should rename this podcast Weekly Winners because that's all we do. Unlike the managers that are getting sacked on a (laughs) week-to-week basis in the Premier League, we're keeping our jobs, we're holding it down and providing you the best in the business in terms of weekly plays in the Premier League. Jake, that about sums things up because you, I know you want to get this off your chest. You want the spotlight to go directly on you. So take a minute or two or whatever you need. Go on and brag about how well you did yet again last week. Uh, I'm not like that. I don't like the spotlight <laughs> too hot on me. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That is yeah. funny. Stand up comedian uh, no, as well. Listen, it was we, we you know we, we had that really good run, didn't we, from the um, start of the, from the turn of the year, and then we had a couple of rocky game weeks before the international break. So it was really nice to get back on the horse and back making profit. So yeah, eight plays last week for me, five winners, one push. So very very profitable. Um, I think there was wow. Four of the bets that won were all plus numbers. I think the biggest one was West Ham winter nil, which was at plus one eighty seven. Um, and yeah, Newcastle to win, which was my favorite one of my favorite picks of the weekend. Absolutely cruised in, didn't it? At plus one one forty four. Uh, obviously, the, the the strong city view that we both had was was a very nice way to kick off things, wasn't it? I think I had the minus one, but also had a lean towards the win and both teams to score. And you had the win and both teams to score, didn't you? I did uh, plus two forty one. Both teams to score and the and the winner. Yeah, it was a great w- way to start the week. By the way, thank you for turning that knife in a little bit, a little bit deeper. Uh, Newcastle United. Did that? Uh, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nine plays for me last nine plays. Seven of my plays were plus money, and that's why I came out with a with a nice little profit. You, you mentioned it, the plus two forty one off the top in the city game, but uh, I was. Four wins, four losses, one push, but three of my wins were all on plus money. Brenton with on the handicap in, in the game of the weekend, we called it. I mean, we we've we fancied Brentford and Brighton virtually every time they played on the season. Uh, on the handicap, plus half a goal at plus one thirty. Cha-ching, Aston Villa uh, on the handicap point seventy point uh, seven five. Um, on a plus number, they actually won their game outright as well against Chelsea. So yeah, it was it was a profitable weekend for me as well. Just when you go out and put it on Twitter at Jake Oz and he lines them all up, it just looks more pretty than mine. But the profit <laughs> might have been just a, a, about the same. So let's leave it yeah. at that. So um, an, another week and more managers on the outs. Brendan Rodgers out at Leicester City. The Chelsea one's downright bizarre. We go in and record our our UCL blueprint out of the Champions League. We're talking Grand Potter, um, you know, what Chelsea might be able to do. He's out. And then not so super Frank Lampard, at least in terms of his managerial career, is in. What is going on, Jake? Um, I've got no idea. I'll be honest. It is... It's very late in the season for a manager merry-go-round, but that's exactly what we've got at the minute. You know, the amount of managers that, that we've seen sacked over the last couple of weeks is, is insane for this time of the season. 
the Lampard one's baffling to me. Not not because just because it's Lampard, but you know, if, if you're planning on bringing in um, a manager of you know average to below average standard for nine games, why not just keep Potter, who you've spent yes. twenty one million pounds to get in, and just give him the last nine games of the season, and then uh, you know almost you, you, he's got then full six months or whatever four months in between. The campaign is to try and get make get his um his points across because you know that's one of the things and one of the main reasons why I think it, it's not worked so quickly for Potter is because they've been playing every other day like it's so difficult to change people's minds perceptions about small nuances in in the game and you know they they play a similar system to what was implemented by Tuchel but it's a completely different style um, and to think that that he would just be able to pick that up and improve them and you know get his ideas across on the fly I think was a little bit um of an overestimation from Chelsea's part and you know ultimately it it looks really bad for them that they've actually reverted back to Frank Lampard who they sacked a couple of years ago um and you know ultimately people forget Lampard was the Everton manager this season he got sacked <laughs> yes. a couple of months ago because they were in the bottom three so um yeah I've, got, I've no idea what's going on at Chelsea that is is turning into a little bit of a laughable club but they're the type of club that do this kind of thing out of the blue, Roberto Di Matteo-esque, and win the Champions League. So, um, you know, you, ne- you never know. You're telling me that Lampard is going to do a Di Matteo job with, with, with Chelsea. I didn't like, say he was going to. I just Tuchel, said this, Tuchel did it as well, can. but I mean, yeah. with, with all due respect, uh, this is Lampard. I should have brought in Sean Dyche. Well, they could have. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I, 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 I just scratched my head yeah. about. A I lot do, of this. I do think, I do think. I saw a tweet about this yesterday, and I, and it did make me laugh, but also nod along in agreement at the same time. Is that we could be in for a very similar scenario to what happened with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. Lampard goes in. You know, he's he's a good man manager. The players will like him. They'll probably relate to him more than they do Graham Potter. So they'll lift their game. Um, they'll probably win a couple, quite a few matches between now and the end of the season, looking at the schedule. Um, and before you know it, he's gone from interim coach to appointed full-time again. Um, you know, I, I had a chuckle at that because I think it'd be quite funny if Lampard's back there at Chelsea two years ago. Um, but yeah, it's something that you could absolutely see happening because the quality of players is there. You know, the the, the Chelsea fans want more attack-minded football. And Lampard's going to bring that and they've got the quality in forward areas. So... Yeah, it, it would not surprise me one bit if we got to midsummer and and there was reports that Lampard's been signed on a two year contract. Uh, and then Potter says no to Leicester City. Probably the smart move. Take some time. Decide his next play come the <clears throat> summer. So uh, musical chairs. Um, that's really quickly before we get into our feature five this week and then go rapid fire the, the, on the other five matches for um, game week thirty uh, futures. Um, Top four finish. There has been some movement. Newcastle level level with Manchester United, both on 53 points, both with the game in hand on fifth place Spurs, uh, who are three points back. Brighton, though, are hovering right behind. They have a game in hand on Newcastle and United and two games in hand on Spurs, and they're on 46. Um, at Pinnacle, you can find them in the futures market to, for a top four finish at plus 500. Is it worth a punt? What, what what do you make for Spurs and their chances? Those two play this weekend, which will have a profound effect on perhaps the way that we approach this market. But you know, is there opportunity to get in on it early? Um, I'm going to say no. Uh, I I think I'd wait a little bit because 
Not, I, I think they'll beat Spurs at the weekend. Um, not giving away my tip for that one, but um, yeah, I, I think obviously they're, they're performing at such high levels right now, not only in results but also the underlying data. But if you look at the next four matches, I mean, you know, we've got there's an FA Cup semi final in there against Manchester United, but if you look at the next four, they've got Tottenham away, which you know we don't rate Tottenham that much right now. They're not playing very well. Winnable game. Then they've got Chelsea away, and that all of a sudden becomes a different test. They've gone from potentially being a, a defense first team under Potter and then Bruno to being a you know a very dangerous potential attacking side. Um, and then they've got Man City at home before that FA Cup game against Manchester United. So they've got four of the traditional big six. Obviously, two of those are nowhere near that right now. But um, yeah, their, their, their schedule is the next three league games is going to be key. And if they, you know, it's up to you. If you think that they're going to basically win. I guess two of those and draw against Man City, then you need to be taking Brighton top four now because they'll be in a much stronger position. Um, but if you think that they might have a little bit of a wobble, maybe win one, draw one, lose one, then I'd say hang fire because they've got the FA Cup game and then you've got Forest Wolves, you've got Everton in the next four. So it could be really be a case of, you know, maybe drop a few points now, but pick them up again towards the end of the season. So yeah, it's fascinating. And I, I just think it'd be an unbelievable achievement, wouldn't it, to see Brighton. I mean, we're talking top four, aren't we? I'd, I'd be happy to see them in the top six, to be honest. And just in right. Europe would be really cool, yeah. Well, the way that Spurs have been playing, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you're a Stellini believer, but come on here. Like, <laughs> they look absolutely dogs breakfast. Who is, a, who is a Stellini believer? <laughs> Who is Stellini? Is da- Daniel Levy? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. At, at the bottom of the table, it's wild. Five points separate twelfth from nineteenth. Um, based upon what's happened at Leicester City with Rodgers out, is this a good thing for the club? <laughs> for relegation, plus 180 on Pinnacle in terms of the futures play. What, what do you make of that, Mark? And I mean, th- th- there could be so much movement between all these sides and, and just wonder whether a move like this with Rodgers will inspire or, or, or whether that spiral um, down the table, whether that will continue. Yeah, it's a difficult one to assess because at the moment, you look at the odds on Pinnacle and they are fourth favourites. So there's three teams ahead of them in the betting to be relegated. And um, yeah, you know, it was a decent enough performance against Aston Villa in midweek. But, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on Aston Villa a little bit at some point in this po- uh, podcast. And they're not pulling up any trees from a data perspective. Uh, they're picking up quite a lot of narrow results. Um, but Leicester have shown that they've been competitive of late. The, the only issue I have with with Leicester is how can you sack your manager and not have a not have anything planned like anybody to bring in you know they, I don't even I couldn't even this tell you who the assistant manager with, is like, I, I can't believe you know the last few seasons this is typically the norm now where you don't have a manager lined up it just seems insane to me especially the money that they're spending it just seems reckless it just seems like you know you should be planning ahead i mean the, the one club that got it right they didn't sack their manager it, it was brighton they lost potter they earmarked who they wanted to take over that job and guess what they have a manager that suits their style of play and has actually taken the team forward but that's the yeah. exception not the rule jake exactly um and you know you can bet your bottom dollar that brighton had four or five potential targets in a list ranked one to five that they would have gone down and if Kazerbi wasn't available, it would have been the next guy. And if he wasn't available, it would, would have been the next guy. And they would have had all this succession plan in place already. And I think Brentford are similar as well. I think if mm. Thomas Frank ever left for whatever reason, I think they'd have 
uh, you know, someone ready just to step in straight away. And and yeah, it's bizarre. It is it is bizarre. And you, you're hearing rumours that Martin O'Neill is going to come in and and take this Leicester job. And you know, he was a great manager in his day. The stuff he did at Leicester previously, and obviously Aston Villa. But like you know, you you're kind of clutching at straws a little bit, aren't you? If you're bringing in, uh, you know, I guess a Roy Hodgson-esque kind of firefighter, but even Roy's been in management fairly recently. So, yeah, I, I do, I do still worry for Leicester just because their their underlying data over the last two years has been, it's been really bad. You know, you meant you, you last season banging the drum week in and week out, just how bad the the process has been. Um, and then yeah, you look at their fixture schedule and they've got a couple of kind games. You know, they they play. Bournemouth, Wolves, Leeds, Everton. So we've got the next five matches really are perfect for a new manager coming in. But it's just, are they going to have somebody in place for those games? Um, and at the end, you know, you've got Liverpool, Newcastle, um, and and a potential huge game against West Ham at home, depending on how they do. So, yeah, it, it's it's strange to me to not have any manager going down this home stretch, especially when you've got you know your relegation rivals. That to be fair, some of them are playing quite well. Like Bournemouth have picked up a little bit. Um, we saw what they did last weekend. Everton look look much better now under Sean Dyche. I thought they were excellent on Monday. Yeah, um, even Leeds are looking sharper. They're picking up more points under Javi Gracia. They're creating a you know a couple of good chances in midweek, um, and and they're all going to be playing Leicester. So the fact that Leicester don't seem to have any idea or identity at the moment is a, is a big problem. What's um, what's crazy? Well, a bunch of things are crazy to me. The first thing is. I, I just forget his name, but the stand-in for Chelsea against Liverpool on Tuesday. Bruno. This, Bruno. This, he Salto, said that this is yeah. this is the first time that he's ever picked picked an eleven. He never <laughs> picked an eleven in his life, and he's presiding over a one hundred and a game with hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent in January by Chelsea. He's never picked eleven before. It's just it's wild to me. And, and what stands out the most and. I can actually see this playing out after this week that both Steve Cooper and David Moyes both could be sacked. Go, both could be on their way out results pending this weekend. Then you'd have the bottom 10 teams in the Premier League table, all changing their managers on the season. In fact, you'd be left with only seven managers standing mm. from the start of the year, you know, and you know, it's it's the top four clubs and then Klopp and 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 a couple more like this is ridiculous. It's just a revolving door. Um, it just provides it. Ju- it just screams mismanagement. It screams panic. We all understand the stakes, but th- th- this can't be the way forward. Uh, let's kick on and get to get get to um, this week's games, and we'll start off with our feature five. And a quick turnaround for Manchester United as they host Everton at Old Trafford. United uh, bounced back after not a very good 2-0 loss to Newcastle at St. James's You put Park. that very kindly. I, I was trying to be nice for a change. <laughs> bounced back with a professional 1-0 victory over Brentford. They're level on points with Newcastle, but they're fourth place on goal differential. Three points better than Spurs with a game in hand. Rashford, 28 goals in all competitions. United still haven't lost at home since September 8th in the Europa League. That's incredible in all competitions. They have gone under the two and a half total in four of their last five. 10-3-1 at home on the Premier League season. 33 points earned 
Only Arsenal and City have more. 25 goals for, 8 conceded. And the 8 against is the fewest goals conceded at home. Uh, it's the final game of the Casemiro suspension. And there's a hint that Christian Eriksen may be available for this weekend's fixture. Everton are up to 16th after a 1-1 draw with Spurs. Um, Michael Keane went from the GOAT, like not in a good way, conceding a penalty that led to a Harry Kane goal, to being the GOAT with a wonder strike from distance, bringing back shades of Vincent Company in Manchester City with that hit from distance. Since losing to Arsenal 4-0 a couple weeks back, they've they've uh, they've gone on to be undefeated since then. Undefeated in four, playing Spurs. They beat Brentford. They drew Chelsea and drew Spurs. Just one win away from home on the season. One, six, and seven. Ten goals scored, 24 conceded. And the third worst expected goal differential from home, according to InfoGoal. Decore is suspended. He seems to be one of those players that always plays well against Manchester United. He is out. And Calvert-Lewin is somewhere on a milk carton because he is MIA. Head-to-head, uh, -head, United won 2-1. Get this, it seems like a lifetime ago, but Cristiano Ronaldo scored the match winner in that game. I believe it was his final goal for Manchester United as well. United haven't picked up a clean sheet against Everton in four. United, uh, you know, with good reason, the home favorite, but Everton has been playing very well as of late under Sean Dyche, including playing against a team that was in the top four when they played last week against Spurs. Minus 194 for United win, plus 343 for the draw, plus 584 for an Everton victory. What do you see happening here, Jake? Um, I'm very torn in this game. Um, I, I think I think United will win, but I don't think that they'll win by a wide margin. I think it'll be competitive. So I had a couple of things in mind was... Uh, backing both teams to score at minus 102 um, and also potentially looking at um, United on the handicap at minus one. So uh, at minus 117. But I, I think both teams to score is the is the smarter play just because what we've seen from Everton under Dyche has been that they're actually creating a lot of good chances. Um, it sounds weird to, to say, but, you know, they, they, they've created the seventh most expected goals per game um, since he took charge. So they've had no problems in those forward areas. Um, and they've played, you know, a, a toughish schedule, you could say. They played Arsenal twice, they played Liverpool, they played Chelsea and Spurs. So the traditional big six, they played four games against them. Um, and you know, even away from home, we're seeing really strong attacking performances apart from the game at Anfield. Um, they went to Arsenal, racked up nearly 1.8 expected goals. At Forest, it was at 2.2 expected goals, but again, that doesn't really take much doing at the moment for Forest. Um, but at Chelsea, at 1.5 expected goals, which was you know a pretty decent effort given what Chelsea have put up defensively of late. So I really think that they'll cause United some problems. Obviously, the flip side, they're still conceding chances as well, which is why they're not winning as many games as you know enough games to see them come clear. Um, so I think United will, will, will get on the score sheet as well. I thought I thought the number was going to be shorter, um, to be honest, uh, especially given that this is Everton away from home, and they are going to be a little bit more vulnerable than when playing at Goodison. Um, yeah, I, I I like the look of uh, of BTTS. I think the the interesting matchup to look at is um, is in the set piece department because yeah. <laughs> we know how impressive Everton have been under Dyche in terms of creating chances from set pieces, scoring goals from set pieces. 
Uh, and United are vulnerable from set pieces. They 24% of the goals they've conceded in the Premier League this season have come from corners um, or set pieces or direct free kicks. So uh, that could be something where Everton will target. You know, I, I fully expect Harry Maguire to play because of this reason. Um, and you know, ultimately, that might lead to a few other issues with the slippery Damari Gray coming up against him. Um, so yeah, I, I give Everton a decent chance. I, I think that they'll push United hard, but I just think United will have a little bit too much quality, um, especially at Old Trafford. So yeah, I, I've gone for a narrow United win, but both teams to score is is the bet. We're on the same page here. Um, I kicked it off last week with a similar bet, and we're gonna roll with it here. Both teams to score and a Manchester United win at plus 264. You said it. It's one of your favorite bets, a Turkowski goal from an Everton mm-hmm. set piece. I think you want every ball in the air against Spurs on the weekend. He's like a magnet, isn't he? he it, it's unbelievable watching it. And guess what? The biggest flaw in David De Gea's game is de- dealing with crosses and set pieces and not being strong enough in aerial challenges. I can see Everton scoring from a set piece. I'm not quite sure about open play, but the track record, United haven't picked up a clean sheet against Everton in the last four. They're just a pain in the side, just the scrappy style of play. Some of United's players always aren't up for it. I think they will win a game. They've had incredible form at Old Trafford of Manchester United. I think they can score goals against this Everton side who, for me, for a Sean Dyche team, or they're organized, but they're still making a lot of mistakes, aren't they? Just like the individual errors, something that the manager cannot control, but he at least puts them in a position to be competitive game in, game out. So yeah, I think there's going to be some goals in this game. Uh, both teams to score, United win. Let's start it off like we did last week with a big plus number at plus 264. Yeah, look, that's a big plus number again. I like it. Uh, let's move on. I cannot wait for this game to see how this one plays out. It's fifth place Spurs taking on sixth place Brighton and Tottenham can feel Brighton coming because they are. And I'd be <laughs> worried if I was a Spurs supporter right now about maybe how far you may drop, not just because of your own form, but what's going on with some of the teams in behind uh, Spurs coming off a one, one draw at Everton after going up a goal and they're up a man as well. Disaster. Back-to-back draws against teams near the bottom, and things do not do not look any better under Stellini than they did with Conte. Go figure. They're, uh, they are undefeated in three overall, but no clean sheet in three, and under two and a half in seven of nine. Ten wins at home on the season for Spurs is the third most, but four losses at home um, is at least three more than any other side in the top seven. They've only any other team in the top seven, like they've lost like one or two, like the four losses stands out. They just don't draw games. It's it's, it's all or nothing when it comes to Spurs. Uh, Lucas Mora suspended. Ben Davies has a hamstring injury and it's providing some issues in this team. And there's questions surrounding Richarlison's availability, what it'll be like. And even more questions about whether he staged the internal coup to push Conte out. Dysfunctional, that's the word for it. Brighton coming off a thrilling 3-3 draw against Brentford on the weekend. Then they went to Bournemouth and won that game 2-0. 
five different goal scorers over that span, and an incredible 4.47 XG against Brentford, and follow that up with a 2.44 XG against Bournemouth. Now, they did give up a 1.5 and 1.3 XGA, respectively, but still, those numbers provided by InfoGoal just shows you the attacking threat that Brighton are on a regular basis. They're undefeated in seven in all competitions, and undefeated in five in the Premier League, and undefeated in 10 of their last 11 league games overall. Brighton have the third most points away from home, 6-4-3 and three on the season, and the third best expected goal differential away from home as well. They've gone seven straight away matches without a loss. Their last home game or away match that they lost, October 22nd at the Etihad 3-1 to City. Great Matoma, day. Matoma has a goal or an assist in eight of his last 10 Brighton appearances. This team is on fire, my friends. Uh, however, Spurs did win the reverse fixture 1-0, and these two teams have actually played under the two-and-a-half goal total in four of five. So here we go. It's one of these Wheeler specials where Spurs, to win at home, are a plus number at plus 158, but Brighton, who I deem are the better side, are on the plus number at plus 172 as well. These are juicy numbers if you like an outright winner here. Do you like an outright winner in this game? Um, I do, yeah. I really do. And the, the thing that swayed me is that when I did my notes last night, Brighton plus naught on the handicap was minus 107. And there's since been money for Spurs, which I just can't understand. Um, that When I did my notes, Brighton were actually the favourites to win the game, just in general on the money line. Um, they're now out to second favourites plus 172. Um, so that means that for the draw now bet, we're getting even money. We're getting plus a hundred, which just looks too good to turn down. I mean, you mentioned all of the, you know, the, 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 the data in terms of the fact that they've not lost away from home since October. Um, they played granted a fairly kind schedule in that time. So they've not really beaten anyone of any stature, but this is a Tottenham team that are performing like a mid to bottom half of the table side. Like they, they are not the force of yesteryear. Um, and the way in which Brighton are playing, not just, you know, the, the results, but the underlying data has been pretty sensational, um, especially away from home. Like you said, they're the third best traveling team, according to XG. Um, their expected goal difference per game away from home is bettered only by Man City and Arsenal. So they are a really strong traveling side. Um, and yeah, I, I think, they, you know, Tottenham. The one thing that we do know about them is that they won't change approach now. Having watched them on Monday night, it's exactly the same, uh, which just kind of make again makes you question like, what was the point in even sacking Conte? You know, <laughs> granted, he was unhappy and he was ranting, but tactically and in game management, he's probably a lot better than Christian Stellini. Um, so you'd much rather have him on the sideline for that perspective, unless the players just figured that he really couldn't work with him. Um, but watching Stellini's interviews, I kind of got the same the, the the feeling that they were kind of a similar personality as well, a bit prickly, um, you know, not not jokey or anything like that too often. So yeah, bizarre, another bizarre managerial decision. Anyway, their 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 expected goal data has been really poor since the restart. I've been banging that drum for a long while now. Um, just one point one five non penalty expected goals for per game is what they've generated so uh, since the World Cup break. And, you know, that comes against, you're talking since the World Cup break. I mean, they played played like nearly all of the relegation-threatened teams in that time as well. So it's not like they've had a really difficult schedule. You know, they've played City twice and Arsenal. But apart from that, everyone else they've played has been in the bottom half of the table. So 
it's you know it's a really really poor return um and even at home like you think the results at home have been really strong since the restart uh, i think they've won four of six but the expected goal difference in that times plus 0.09 which ranks them as the 11th best home team since the restart so they're not even performing at a high level when playing at home um so there's really not a lot to like about tottenham and, and obviously it's the opposite for brighton who you know, they're, they're going to be the aggressors in this match. Um, they're going to be well set up to deal with any counter-attacks because that, that's just how they play now. Um, you know, the, the way in which deserve has got them set up is, is Manchester City-esque in the way that they they are very protective when, you know, they, they attack with a lot of numbers, but they also have some players occupying space to stop transitions. Um, so, yeah, I'm more than happy, especially since the line's moved, take Brighton plus not on the Asian handicap. Yeah, they're the better team. Um, I, I'm fine with that. I'm pl- I'm I'm fine making a bright and outright play at plus one seventy two. Don't want to get a little bit greedy. I mean, the, the draw no bet, good security blanket. That's what I initially jotted down. But I'm like, screw it. Like, why am I not trying to take a little bit more juice here? Plus one seventy two. It's a big number with the better team. Spurs with so many experienced players in their team at Goodison Park. It was amateur hour. The, the decision-making building out of the back, the defending, like Sanchez and Romero in the same back three, it's like heart attack central. Like with this bright and free-flowing attack and the options that they have in this team, how are they going to manage to, to keep them out? I, I was also looking at potentially over 2.75 uh, goals at plus 104, but I, I prefer the Brighton outright win, to, to be honest with you. If, if Kerry Kane isn't providing goals most likely from a from from a from a set piece or a penalty now. I just don't see a way forward for the for the Spurs team. Injuries have played a role. Like Davies out now, Bentoncourt, um Richarlison. Son hasn't showed up this season. It's just th- this isn't the Spurs team that were that have been very good over recent years. I faded them all season long. I, I never bought them. I never believed in them. I'm not believing in them now. Brighton's a better side. Roll with Brighton here for an outright win. Let's go for it. Yeah, the only thing that kind of stops me from going for the outright win is just that they have drawn quite a lot of matches away from home, um, purely down to not taking the chances. You know, you look at the games against Leicester, uh, they created the better chances, 1.8 to 1.4, drew 2-2. Crystal Palace away, 2.7 to 0.8, drew 1-1. Leeds, 2.3 to 0.6, drew 2-2. Um, so that's the only reason why I wanted to take the plus note on the handicap is because they are capable of a not finishing their chances and also giving up. Um, you know, what 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 you know, their opponents can sometimes um, come to the party from a finishing perspective, well, whether that's down to goalkeeper or or what. But um, but yeah, that that's the only that's my only hesitancy. Is that they do tend to draw quite a few matches away. The, those opponents that you listed. All of them have their flaws. All of them have their negative characteristics, but none of them are Spursy. And that's exactly what Spurs are. The Spursiness will hand Brighton the victory this weekend. So let's roll on with Brighton. Uh, let's move on. Another great game this weekend, Brentford and Newcastle. Does this game have draw written all over it? Potentially based on the way the respective seasons have played out, but both playing some decent football, but both, 
the, the two results over the last week have gone in opposite directions. Brentford played to an impressive 3-3 draw against Brighton, then lost to Manchester United 1-0. Both games coming away from home. No wins in three now for Brentford and no clean sheets in three. They've played to under the total of two and a half in four of five. Four of the last five games for Brentford have come away from home. But this team, a completely different side when they're playing at home. Just one loss on the season, seven wins, six draws, one loss, 28 goals for, and only 14 conceded. So um, for Newcastle, a big week for Newcastle. And just feel like things are really moving in a positive way. Uh, a 2-0 win over United, then a 5-1 demolition job at West Ham. 3.18 and a 3.39 XG in back-to-back games, according to InfoGoal. Those are big numbers. Uh, four wins in a row now for Newcastle. The third most points away from home as well. And they stay in London for this one after the win at West Ham. 11 conceded away from home. It's second fewest conceded in the Premier League. Isak and Wilson up top, they've combined for eight goals over the course of the last four games played. Head-to-head, well, I just told you they beat West Ham 5-1. They also beat Brentford 5-1 earlier this season at St. James's Park. Newcastle has lost to Brentford in three. Brentford, no clean sheet against Newcastle in three. And Newcastle has been first to score in five of six. Uh, Another good one, um, Brentford, a difficult place to go. Uh, are Newcastle just in such good form right now that you can't make a Brentford play? Are you siding with Newcastle? Where, where are you leaning here? Um, yeah, this is a tough one to assess, I think, because you know we've been we've been on the Brentford at home bandwagon all season long, uh, and they've not really let us down. It's just yeah, Newcastle just flying at the minute. You know that instead last week, didn't I, before the United game, that their underlying data was really good. It was just the case of they weren't taking the chances. Um, and recently, they've been taking the chances. Uh, and obviously, on Wednesday night, they did that and a little bit more, didn't they, to score five times. So, um, yeah, if, if they perform at that level, at their levels that they've been hitting all season long, they will win uh, at the weekend. But I do respect Brentford enough to, to think that that price is a little bit too short of Newcastle. Um, so I've got no bet in this one. Oh, what about yourself? Uh, it's a very similar play to I made Liverpool Chelsea midweek. Uh, I think that this game has draw written all over it. Um, the way that Newcastle has been going, it's been admirable, but Brentford's a difficult place to go. And I think they'll get it back on track at home. So a safeguard for a potential Brentford outright win here. But I think that the draw is favored, but I'm willing to settle with a half win based on the handicap Brentford at plus 0.25. So it's Brentford on the handicap. If the game ends in a draw, it's a half win for Brentford. And I'll take that at a plus number, plus 108. So you're getting a little bit more juice as well. That seems to be the best play for me. We we, we always joke, uh, draw Castle, Drawford. There's, there's, um, there's draw Palace as well. Those three sides just continue to draw games. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this one ends up in a draw, which I don't think would be a bad result for both sides, to be honest with you. So Brentford on the handicap at plus 108. It's a decent number for me. Nothing to add? Nope. <laughs> we can move straight on to Leeds and Crystal Palace. 
Uh, Leeds bounced back from a 4-1 loss at Arsenal with a 2-1 home win over, over Nottingham Forest after conceding first in that game. It's a big result for Leeds. 2.23 XG against Forest. Two wins and a draw in their last three games at home for Leeds United. 5-5-4 five, five, and four at home overall and a positive goal differential. 20 scored, 19 conceded. They haven't picked up a clean sheet, however, in their last six. Leeds United have gone over the two and a half total in four or five. Both teams to score has played in four or five, and they've been the first to concede in five of six. As for Crystal Palace, welcome back, Roy Hodgson. A 2-1 win over Leicester City that ended Rogers' reign. Mateta in the 90th plus four to go on and provide an outright winner and provide a loss on my account. A 2.84 XG in that game to just 0.16 for Leicester City. Like It was a good performance by Crystal Palace at home in that game under Roy. It was actually their best XG that they put up in 26 Premier League games. Wow, it's been a long time coming a performance like that. No clean sheet in five for Palace. They've gone under the two and a half total in six of eight. Three straight league losses away from home and no win in six away overall heading into this game at Ellen Road. Uh, just two away wins on the season, but they are 11th best in expected goal differential away from home. And they have the seventh best expected goals against away from home as well. Uh, big news on the injury front, however, a groin issue from Wilfred Zaha. He is out. They're hoping to get him back in a couple weeks to at least play out the season and hopefully uh, propel them to safety. Head-to-head, -head, it was a 2-1 Palace win last time in the reverse fixture. Palace haven't lost to Leeds in three. They played to under the two-and-a-half total in four of five, and Leeds has scored first in four of five. Uh, so what do you make of this? Leeds United at home have been better under Gracia. Uh, Roy Hodgson provide you know, all of his experience. Perhaps that will make a difference with Crystal Palace. Um, it's a big game for both sides. You feel like if Palace win this game, they can create that separation between them and the and the trailing pack. Um, what do you make of this one, Jake? Yeah, I think this has got the potential to be quite an entertaining game. Um, you know, if, if this was Patrick Vieira um, and his Palace team, it might be the opposite. But Roy Hodgson, you know, he's he's down with the kids. He's got everyone playing. <laughs> um, he, he let them off the that leash. youthful exuberance, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. We've seen him crossing in training. Um, yeah, they 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 looked really good against Leicester. Not not just in forward areas, but you know the pressing was sharp. They were playing on the front foot, um, and ultimately that approach meant that they didn't concede any chances either. You know, Leicester just zero point one six expected goals in that match, which is a really low total. Um, and just two attempts on that they allowed, which is incredible. Um, so, yeah, they deserve to win that in the end. They were comfortably dominant. And I think if we get the same approach here, it's going to lead to a very end-to-end -end game. Um, I don't see why you'd revert. You know, if, if, if something went so well the first time, you kind of think that they'd do the same again. So I really hope that they do, because Leeds are a team that also like to play on that front foot, especially at home. Um, they like to play great chances they like to um you know play in those tight uh almost triangles to get out of places and you know they they are the two teams that if they play as they did last week or last time out they will press each other quite hard and ultimately should lead to a few turnovers and maybe a few line breaking passes and a few goals so i like both teams to score uh, at minus 106 i thought that was um should have been a little bit shorter lee it's landed in all of Leeds' last four matches um you know, they play Brighton at Wolves, Arsenal, Forest. 
and you know, I suspect it will continue to 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 keep landing because they are a team that create a lot of good chances going forward, but also struggle at the back, um, as we've seen so far under Javier Gracia's reign. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was, you know, pretty big price, uh, bigger than I expected. Um, I would advise a slightly smaller stake just because we don't know. We've only got one game to work from from Roy Hodgson in terms of how Palace will play. Um, so. Just a little bit of hesitancy there in terms of you know staking, but yeah, I, I think if if they approach the same way as they did last week, you'd imagine that they will playing against another relegation candidate. Then could be in quite an open game. Yeah, I'll be quick. Let's go over the total of two and a half. I'm I'm going to bring it up. It's actually quite a low total at two point two five, but you can get a little bit more juice. And I'm going to bring it up to over two and a half at plus 117. I think it's being priced based upon the way that Crystal Palace has played under Patrick Vieira. Very negative. Like there were weeks where they had like a, a not XG. Like it was, it was crazy. But the way they played last week shows me the way that we expected them to play from the start of this season. Because they do have good attacking players in this side. And for the flaws in this Leeds United side, and they played a little bit more controlled now under Gracia. I've never had a had a problem with their attacking approach. They have some very talented players. I think this game has goals in it. Um, and if you can give me a decent plus number like that, I think you're getting some value there. I think the numbers the, that, that that's being provided is a little bit short. So give me over two and a half at plus one seventeen. And we're both yeah. Jake and I will be cheering for goals in the weekend. Absolutely. So. Uh, let's move on to the, to the fifth game of our feature five and it's the match of the weekend, Liverpool and Arsenal from Anfield, Liverpool. It's been a miserable week, a four, one loss at city followed by a goalless draw at Chelsea, their XG in those two games. This is Liverpool. We're talking about 0.28 and 0.25 respectively. That's according to info goal. That's just dire. Uh, their away form. It shouldn't surprise that Liverpool didn't come out and really have a chance to win either one of these games because their away record stinks. It's three, four and eight on the season with a negative 4.3 expected goal differential and no wins in four overall for Liverpool. However, their home form is a completely different story. Nine, three and one at Anfield on the season, 34 goals scored and nine and nine against their expected goal differential of 16.5 at home is fourth best behind just city, Newcastle and Arsenal. Liverpool have played to under two and a half total in five of the last seven games. Van Dyke, he'll be back this weekend. It was ill midweek and Tiago should be back in some capacity as well. We'll see on that one. Uh, Arsenal coming up a four, one win over Leeds. And guess what? A preferable schedule. This has happened all season long midweek off again. So they're going to be well rested for this one, a 3.31 XG and a Jesus brace against Leeds last weekend, back-to-back wins, by the way, by a scoreline of four, one, uh, the last five games have, well, four of the five have come against, uh, teams in the relegation, uh, battle other, and the other game came against Fulham. So it's been a relatively easy schedule. 18 goals scored and five conceded over that span. No clean sheet in three, however. They've played a over the two and a half goal total in six of seven. Both teams to score has played in five of six. First to score, Arsenal have been five out of five, and they've been the first half winner four out of five. They have an eight-point lead on City entering the weekend, but City do, however, have a game in hand, and the two play one another upcoming. They are the best away team in the Premier League. 11 wins 
from uh, 14, 28 goals scored and nine conceded. Uh, just an incredible away record for Arsenal on the year. And head-to-head, the reverse fixture, Arsenal won 3-2 at the Emirates. Arsenal, no clean sheet against Liverpool in their last three. So Klopp uh, made wholesale, well, a bunch of changes, a bunch of first-team players, whether he was sending a message or saving them for this weekend. Uh, Take your pick. Uh, Liverpool has something to prove playing at home. They always rise to the challenge against Anfield. But they're playing a great away side in the league leaners in Arsenal. This one, I can understand um, you the better going either direction in this one. But let's go to the expert. Jake, which direction are you going in? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, there was a lot of umming and ahhing, um, a lot of changing. But ultimately, I think Liverpool are too big. I think Liverpool are too big. Um, you know, you can back Liverpool plus note on the Asian handicap at plus 113. That's a huge price. Huge price. Um, now, the, the reasoning behind it is, you know, they've, they've really struggled the last however many away matches they've played. Is it four four away matches? They've lost three. But that's away from home. These This team is literally a completely different machine when playing at home and when playing away from home. So, for context, from an underlying numbers perspective, their expected goal difference per game when playing away from home is minus 0.3. When playing at home, it's plus 1.3, 1.3. So there's a 1.6 expected goal difference when they play at home, when they play away. That's proper Jekyll and Hyde. That is to the point where, you know, they, they almost down tools as they get to the opposition stadium. Um, that It's really, really <laughs> concerning that they, they can play so well at home and so poorly away from them. And it's not like they've not played anyone um, any good either at home. You know, they've played pretty much all of the top teams. You know, obviously smashed Manchester United. They beat Manchester City as well at home, which people sometimes forget. Um, so far this season, they beat them 1-0. It wasn't even a close game. It was expected goals 2.4 to 1.1. So they thoroughly deserve that win. Um, they beat Newcastle as well. I know that was a late goal, but again, the expected goals totals were heavily in their favour, 1.6 to 0.6. Um, you know, the, the only disappointing, I guess you could say, performance that they've had at home was uh, against Chelsea, where they, it was the first real game where they struggled to create chances at Anfield this season. Every every other match, they've averaged or, or they've racked up at least 1.8 expected goals, and that one was the, the bit of an outlier. So um, they are a team that are a completely different animal when they play at home, um, and, and I, I just think that that's not being factored into these prices at the moment. I, I think that they're, they're judging the prices are judging Liverpool on what they've done recently in the away matches, but completely forgetting that at home, they are absolute monsters generally. I mean, you only have to look at the record. They've won nine of 13. You know, a team that finished second in the league last season, won nine of 13 at home, posted the third best home expected goal difference, is a second favourite against an Arsenal team that haven't played away from home at anyone any good yet. You know, that was the other thing I found when looking through was, Arsenal's expected goal difference away from home is really good. Like it's it's very impressive, but they've not played any of Manchester City, Newcastle, or Liverpool, and they're the three best away teams in the league according to the underlying data. Um, Fifth best is Brighton, and they went there and won. Sixth best is Manchester United, and they went there and lost. So we've you know in terms of the best home teams, they've only played two of them of the top five. Um, So yeah, this is a massive test for Arsenal, and I'm not ready to jump straight away. 
at this price and and take Arsenal to get a result. As much as I think that they can, that, you know, I obviously think that they can get a result because Liverpool are vulnerable defensively. Their midfield isn't isn't at the same level as Arsenal's, but there's something about Liverpool at home. Um, the underlying data is strong. The, the results are strong. The performances have been good at home. And they'll be looking forward to going back to Anfield. I mean, they've played four straight road games. You know, Bournemouth, Real Madrid, Man City, Chelsea. They'll be really looking forward to some home comforts. I like that Klopp rotated in midweek as well. I, I wonder if that is just to just to upset the apple cart against Arsenal. Um, and, you know, Salah's been rested, etc. Uh, Trent was rested, Robertson. So... There's all that that you've got in your favour. Um, and yeah, for as good as Arsenal have been away from home, I'm not taking anything away from them. I just think this is too short of a price, you know. Um yeah, I'm I'm happy. And this this is kind of this is kind of the um not litmus test, but it's it's kind of the the, the clincher for me. If Arsenal go to Liverpool and win, then you know, for, for the rest of the season, I will rate them as highly as Manchester City, in which case this price would be fair and probably would would be backable but until they can do this uh, away at you know obviously Arsenal they, like I said they've got to play Newcastle they've got to play City as well as Liverpool away but this is the real first test on the yeah. on the road and if they can come through this then I'll hold my hands up but I've not seen enough of them against um anyone any good when playing at home to suggest that they should be this short a favourite um so yeah, Liverpool plus no on the Asian handicap is my bet. Plus one thirteen, so it's still a plus number because obviously, like I said, they are second favourites. Liverpool. So I've been looking for reasons to fade Arsenal all season long, and I've oftentimes taken that bet on this podcast. If you're a regular listener, you know that I fully expected to come into this week, this game, and making a very similar play to Jake, but I am not. Owen brought it up on Twitter, regular listener at Gareth Wheeler said, is Jake just going to take the day off? Because this sets up so well for you, the better team on a plus number away from home. You just got to, just got to hit that. I'm going to go partially there. I'm going to go Arsenal on the handicap of minus 2.5 at plus 110. So if it's a draw, you lose half your bet. Arsenal are the better side. Liverpool have been exceptionally poor coming out of the international break. I don't think that all is well at Liverpool. I understand that on the season, that the place has been a fortress, but they also haven't played a team as good as Arsenal is at home because I think that Arsenal are the best team in the Premier League. And I feel like this week, they have the entire week, they have until Sunday. And they played the the game last weekend was a walk in the park against Leeds. Their entire focus has been on this game because I feel like if they go on and win this game, they have one hand on the Premier League trophy. They are that close. With the gap that's being created and and their fantastic form, I I, I just can't I, I can't fade them any longer. I have to back them in a game like this when you're going to give me the insurance. Uh, if it ends in a draw, it's only a half loss at a plus number at plus one ten. I, I like that number. So give me Arsenal in this game, the better side against a team that's struggling that simply doesn't look like themselves. 0.28 and 0.25 in their last two games. And I know that they were against City and Chelsea, but come on. Like, that's pathetic. I just, all cannot, the state of Liverpool right now means I can't back them against the best away side in the Premier League and the best team in the Premier League. Home, away, playing on, you know, planet Mars, it doesn't matter. Like, Arsenal's the better side in this game, so I'm going to back them on the handicap. Yeah, I, I don't, like I said, they, they, 
I can see I can see Arsenal winning. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, but I just think at these prices, I'm happy to take them on because I think there's a little bit too much in there um, in Arsenal. Like for, for perspective, if if this was if you take these odds and it, it was a neutral venue, then you know if it was at Wembley, a cup final or something, Arsenal would be priced at around plus one hundred one ten, and I think that's too short a neutral venue. I don't think there's that big a gulf between these two teams on any given day. Um, and I'm also just just looking at some of the injury updates. Van Dijk should be fit for this. He was taken out in midweek because of an illness. So that's a huge boost for Liverpool. Luis, uh, Luis Diaz is also very close to playing. Um, he's back in full training. So that, that's another massive positive. And the same with Thiago. He could be um, in for this game as well, which would be huge. And, and obviously Arsenal, they're still missing William Saliba, who, which, which means Rob Holding's going to be playing centre-half. And, and I think that you know while that's not an issue for me when they're playing against Leeds... It's a massive issue when they're playing against Liverpool and that that front line and the threat that they have there with Salah, with Nunez, with Gakpo. So, um, yeah, I, I like I said, I, it, I'm happy to hold my hands up after this week if Arsenal go there and win and just say, look, you know, I'm, I've got that wrong. Uh, Arsenal are that much better than Liverpool. But for, for the time being, I'm more than happy to just um, to take Liverpool at this number because we're not going to see it very often, this, this kind of figure. I get it. Interesting that, you know, we, we both go for an alternative rather than an outright, just from my perspective, plus 110 on the handicap to plus 140 for an outright Arsenal win. I'll, I'll take the plus 110 and the little bit of insurance that comes along with it um, just makes sense for me. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it could be a big weekend. And if you're looking at the futures play as well, could have a big impact on the potential Premier League winner. You can find all those odds on pinnacle as well and uh, not much time left so let's go rapid fire for the remaining fixtures let's go aston villa on great form under unai emery taking on a nottingham forest side with the dreaded vote of confidence for steve cooper <laughs> do you have a play in this game i do yeah i'm i'm liking the look of uh aston villa minus one on the asian handicap which um is around the plus 115 mark and obviously, Villa are flying. They've won five of the last six. They've won four of five against relegation candidates in that time as well. So you know, they've made light work of the E-kind schedule. Uh, the underlying numbers have been okay. They've not been as dominant as that kind of record would suggest. But they are creating chances at a very high rate, which um, is, for me anyway, a real importance for this bet, given the playing against Nottingham Forest. So Villa are averaging 1.7 expected goals for per game across those six matches. Um, but both home matches in that time have been wins to nil uh, and games in which they'd allowed very few chances, 0.2 and 0.9. Forest obviously struggling, winless in eight, lost five of those. The process, they've, they've conceded 2.1 expected goals against per game in that time. Been really, really bad. Uh, and they've been the worst attacking team across that span as well. So, um, yeah, obviously you're factoring their away record as well, which is just laughable, 1-3-10. and 10. Scored just five times. Um, and yeah, I, I think Villa will win. And obviously, the, the, the taking a minus one on the Asian handicap means that if Villa win by one goal, you get your money back. If they win by two goals or more, you get a winner at plus 115. And, and I just think that that's a, a, a nice play, given that Villa are minus 155 just to win the match. So we can get a little bit of a boost um, on that without needing the two goals to cover. Uh, I just realized I made five plays in the feature section of this podcast, all at a plus number. I'm going to take a breather here. I, I, bro, I can't, I can't make it Nottingham Forest play. Um, so I would make a Villa play or nothing at all. 
I'm just going to stay away from this one. Um, just collect my breath and move on to the next game. Uh, Fulham and West Ham. Is there a resp- Will there be a response from David Moyes', Moyes side? Typically, He's another one with I'd the say, vote of confidence. I, I'd say yes, but I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you. And no, Mitro, Mitrovic is out until like, you know, <laughs> next, I don't even know, eight games is a long time. And it is, it's a big yeah. focal point that they miss out of that team. What do you make of Fulham West Ham? Um, I've got no bet here. Um, I'm happy to just leave this one alone. I think there's so many, so many things up in the air, aren't there? Like, what kind of West Ham performance are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that we saw against Southampton or the one in midweek where they kind of just rolled over against Newcastle? Uh, and Fulham, Fulham are, are a team that I do want to fade at some point, though. I just think that they're, you know, when they were riding high in what was it seventh or whatever, their underlying data was really poor. It suggested that they were actually like a, you know, bottom seven kind of side. Um, so it's no surprise to see them kind of fall off a cliff and, and dropping like a stone. Um, so they're one that's something to bear in mind if if you did want a uh, a pro West Ham plays that Fulham's underlying data has been really bad and obviously the key absentees as well add to that. I I do think that they're combative enough that I'm going to make a half play on the draw no bet. It's on the handicap at minus one hundred one. Um, I think I'm more confident in Fulham having a response, particularly at home, rather than this lifeless West Ham side that simply has no ideas, whatever. So just a half play there for me, but I think that it's it's one worth taking. Uh, this one could very well end in a draw. So the draw, no bet at minus 101. Uh, Wolves in Chelsea. Does Frank Lampard get off to a winning start at Wolves here? Or restart, we should say, as he's back on the bench for Chelsea. Um, I think there's every chance he could. I'm not going to back it though. Um, again, I've I've got no bet in this one. I <laughs> I just think the you know the, I think the market's moved in Chelsea's favour after the appointment. Uh, they're now minus a hundred, so probably about even money. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to leave this alone. I was looking at the unders, obviously, it's Chelsea and it's Wolves, but now you've got a more attack-minded manager in there. Does that you know does that change things quite drastically? And we've seen Wolves are capable of scoring a few goals. Um, is a little bit short for me as well. The unders at minus 140. So, uh, again, just a no bet. Happy to leave alone. The only one that's happy about this appointment is Mason Mount, that is boy Frank Lampard. He's the new club captain. Mason yeah, Mount. just, uh, just <laughs> it, what's incredible is nine out of the 11 players who started Lampard's final game at Chelsea are still at the club. And they brought in like three other teams worth of players. It's just <laughs> incredible to me. Uh, I'll take Wolves on the handicap. Uh, plus half a goal. So a draw or a win will make you some money at minus 110. Uh, I like it. This game is draw written all over it as well. Perhaps Wolves can sneak one out. I can't back Chelsea. I just can't, especially with Lampard behind the bat. So yeah, uh, Wolves on the handicap, minus 110. Uh, Leicester City, Bournemouth. Is there a new matter? A no manager bounce for 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 Leicester City here. I like that. That is good. Yeah. A no manager bounce. Um, I've actually liked my Bournemouth home bets. I didn't play them against uh, Brighton midweek because they rate Brighton that that much high, that highly. If this was a home game for Bournemouth, I think I could back them. But um, at Leicester City, at the King Power, I'm not sure I can. There's a no bet for me in this game. Yeah, I was looking at the overs, um, thinking that's got a, a bit of a chance. Both teams are desperate, ultimately. Uh, they're both, you know, right in the mix. Um, both teams 
are vulnerable defensively. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. Um, so yeah, I think we could be, could be in for quite a uh, an entertaining game. You know, you look at the team's defensive numbers. I mean, Leicester have allowed one point seven five expected goals against per game in the last seven matches. Bournemouth at two point two, so neither team are keeping things tight. Uh, and if you take those last seven for each, Overs has landed in a combined eight of fourteen. So the fact that both teams need a win, and we'll probably have this down on the you know on the fixture list as, as a winnable game, suggests to me that, that we could be in for a little bit of a high-scoring match. So I'm happy to take a chance on the overs at uh, at minus one fifteen. All right, and finally, the biggest mismatch on paper of the weekend. Can I convince Jake to go bold and be brave in this one? It's Southampton and Manchester City. Southampton at plus 1085 for a victory. Man City at minus 387 for an away win. Let's just remember that Southampton knocked City out of the Carabao Cup. Um, And so they've done it to City before this season. Can lightning strike twice here? Are you bold enough to make a Southampton play in this one? I am, yeah. I'm going to take Southampton to lose by two or more goals. Um, <laughs> minus 129. That is, uh, yeah, that, that's a really pretty number. Um, Man City minus one and a half uh, is, is the bet. They are flying at the moment. They really are purring. They're hitting all, all top gears at the minute. Um, the last seven matches, they've been excellent. They were really unfortunate to only win six of those. They've averaged 2.7 expected goals for per game and 0.8 expected goals against per game. Um, and they played Arsenal, Newcastle and Liverpool in that time. So really, really impressive. And obviously Southampton's the exact opposite end of the scale. Really struggling to create chances. 0.8 expected goals for per game since Ruben Sellers took charge. Um, so yeah, I, I fear for Southampton here. I think it could be a bit of a walloping. City have covered the minus one and a half handicap in 16 of their 20 wins this season. 13 of the matches against uh, the nine relegation sides, City have won 11 times and covered the handicap in seven of those. So generally, you know, the, there's a, a high percentage of games there that when they play against the worst teams in the league, they cover the handicap and win quite comfortably. So um, the only the only issue or I guess nagging doubt towards this is that it could be it could be a help as well. The fact that they play in the Champions League in midweek, um, you, know, you can look at it two say. ways. You can look at it as, oh, you know, they, they might be resting for that. But you can also look at it and think, well, they'll probably come out the blocks quickly. So they, you know, get into a quick lead and then be able to take the players off. So um, e- either way, you know, City's bench is incredible, isn't it? And they should be able to dominate this game. Yeah, I was just going to say Champions League upcoming next week against Bayern Munich. That's where their focus has to be, right? It just... I t- it, it makes me pause just for a minute. I don't think there's a play. I'm tempted to bet Southampton goals over half a goal. So if they score at plus 106, City have conceded away from home. If they get sloppy, if this game is out of touch, I'm, I'm tempted. I don't think I'll consider it going into the weekend. Let's put it that way, but no official play for the purposes of this podcast. So we'll leave it alone from there. So, um, and we'll, we'll look forward Bayern Munich, Manchester City, oh, in yeah. the Champions League next week. That is the main event. Um, let us know if you go on and make a Southampton play at plus 1085. It's it's a bold move. It came through in the Carabao Cup, but this is a different kettle of fish yeah. here. And uh, they had they had the, the, the Nathan Jones genius in there as well, so um, which they don't have now. <laughs> right. Another team that sacked a manager 
uh, after buying in players for him in January and then appointing. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we'll replay. We'll, we'll replay this next week if Cooper and Moyes are out because I actually think there's a distinct possibility that could be the case. If West Ham lose 100%. at Fulham and Forrest, you know, gets smashed at Villa. We could be looking at the bottom 10 sides in the Premier League table all sacking their manager this season, which is wild. And look yeah, and, yeah. and look where all these teams are. They're all still stuck in a bunch, and no one's any more clear from safety than they were to begin with. So embarrassing. Uh, what's not embarrassing is Jake's form on the season. Let's see if it continues on. Um, I, I'm, I'm only giving myself a half pat on the back because I'm a little bit more modest than my co-host here on this podcast. Uh, remember, the odds are correct at the time of recording, and please gamble responsibly. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Jake. Some big football games. The Masters on, is, is on this weekend. Who do you have rooting interest in? Um, I'm Justin Thomas and Tony Finau, my, my two big bets. Uh, I've a little bit on Minwoo Lee, which is fairly annoying because at uh, the time of recording, he made a birdie on the second hole. Drove it to within 15 feet for Eagle on the third hole and made a bogey. So, um, yeah, it, that, that could have gone better. I, well done on your multitasking. I've avoided watching because I'm a professional. I've been focused on the football first and only. But I'm looking forward to being on the couch and supporting my boy Sung J.M. all weekend long with also a couple plays on Jason Day. And I had to pick a live player. And putting is crucial at Augusta. There's no better putter in world golf than Cam Smith. Um, and his hair's a, a thing of beauty as well. I'd like to see you with the mullet. Maybe that's going to be your summer look, Jake Osmond <laughs> I honestly don't know if it grow that quickly or long enough. Uh, you, you could do it. I think it's a brave, bold move as you move into fatherhood. <laughs> that's a way to signal in and have that project that forever young demeanor of yours. So... Uh, <laughs> That's it for this week's pod. We'll be back next week as well. Good luck with your plays and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. At Jake Oz on Twitter, at Gareth Wheeler as well. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 30 with data provided by InfoGoal.